Welcome, everybody, to a, another on-the-road uh, edition of Liberty Lockdown. This is Clint Russell, your humble host. I am still in Orlando, still doing the amusement park circuit and supporting, uh, you know, the woke corporations against our overlord DeSantis, as you would obviously imagine. That's my mission in life. That's why I'm in Orlando. Anyways, uh, this is episode 170. Uh, the The world appears to be melting down, but I have... I have a take on it that you might be interested in, and my goodness, there is a hell of a lot of uh, news over the past 48 hours. It's crazy. I'm trying to sort it all out, and I think I've done a good job of finding what matters and giving you uh, my opinion on it so that you can both know what's happening, but also hopefully take some hope out of it. Anyways, uh, before we get started, let's thank our new sponsor for the show that is expat money summit they are an upcoming uh, online summit by my friend Mikkel Thorup. he's been on the show from expatmoney.com with over 30 experts who are focused on moving your life business and wealth offshore it's free to attend expatmoneysummit.com reclaim your freedom from chaos and uncertainty topics at that event will include how to secure your own plan b safe haven how to use foreign currencies offshore banking and decentralized finance to safeguard your money how to legally reduce your tax burden how and where to safely store gold silver and other precious metals where the best countries are in the world to find freedom for yourself and your family how you can get a second passport to travel the globe without restrictions and get in and out in and out in different countries uh, you will also learn about a libertarian island haven private cities communities on the ocean and food and energy independent towns in latin america Register now for free at expatmoneysummit.com. This is your way to fight back against what is happening in the world. Stand up, protect yourself, and find out how to secure your new life abroad. You can register now for free. Go to expatmoneysummit.com. Link is also in the description below. Let's get into it. My goodness, we have so much to cover. So first up, we've got this brand new spokes hole for the Biden administration, Jen Psaki has stepped down and she has been replaced by her melanated superior. Uh, she's also not heterosexual, which makes her supreme to all. Unfortunately, despite those stellar qualifications, she's absolutely catastrophically bad at her job. <laughs> like so bad at her job. And it's great. It's really it's really enjoyable to watch. And I think you will enjoy it. So let's Let's get an introduction to this beautiful lady. Follow up to the disinformation board. Last week, you guys said that you needed this disinformation governance board at DHS to make sure that freedom of speech is protected across the country and that these platforms are not used for forms of disinformation. So what changed? Look, the Department of, of Homeland Security, they began their statement report, re repeating, re repeating that the board had been intentionally mischaracterized, which is a little bit of what you were asking me, and they were explicit about what it does and doesn't, it does not do. Uh, it was never about censorship, pol policing speech, or removing content from anywhere. As Secretary Marco said, he has asked uh, former DHS Secretary Michael Chernoff and former D D DAG uh, Jamie Gorlick to lead a thorough review, this is the pause that I was talking about, and assessment as members of the Bipartisan Homeland Security Council Advisory Council. The board will not convene during that period, but the departments work across several administrations uh, to address disinformation that threatens uh, the security for our, our country is critical and will continue. So that work is going to continue. So, so if it's pausing because you think the board was mischaracterized, then the disinformation board is being shut down because of disinformation? 
what's happening here? Look, I mean, the, the board was put forth for a purpose, right? To make sure that we really did a, t a, 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 t a uh, really did address what was happening across the country when it came to disinformation. It's just going, it's, it's going to pause. There's been a mischaracterations from outside, uh, outside forces. And so now what we're going to do is going to, we're going to pause it and we're going to do an assessment. But the work does, the work doesn't stop. We're still going to continue the work. The DHS is still going to continue the work. Okay. Americans are now spending $5,000 a year on gasoline. That's almost double what they did a year ago. Where are people supposed to go to get all that extra cash? To get the extra cash to pay for gas? Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the things that we've been very clear about is to do everything in our power uh, to make sure uh, that we lower costs. Uh, you know, it is important. We see it. The president understands what the American people is, are, is going through. Uh, and that's why uh, we're doing everything that we can. We've made uh, multiple announcements in the past uh, several several months of what we're doing, whether it's the Strategic uh, Petroleum Reserve, whether it's the Ethanol 15, to make sure that, uh, that, uh, that the American people are not feeling Putin's uh, price hike. This is where this is coming from, 60 to 70 percent of the current price hike that we have seen has come from Putin's aggression against Ukraine. So, so the president announces on March 31st that he's got all these steps to lower gas prices and it's still Putin's fault seven weeks later. The uh, the article or the episode I did two days ago about Revolver News, it looks as if Nina Jankovich is stepping down. She has announced her resignation from the disinformation board. She will no longer be the czar of misinformation in this country. I'm going to take a minor celebratory lap. That's pretty good. Uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna add to that that it doesn't mean that it's over. Unfortunately, uh, yes, Nina was very likely an operative, probably in the CIA. Uh, she was responsible for spreading misinformation under the guise of stopping disinformation in Europe as well as uh, targeting Russia. So I think that she was a fairly fairly major cog in the wheel of disinformation abroad. And now she was going to be the uh, presiding ruler over misinformation in America. So I think it is positive that our fury over her existence, uh, getting her to step down, is a step in the right direction. However, if you think this is the end of their attempts at creating a disinformation uh, board, the uh, Ministry of Truth, if you will, you have another thing coming. I mean, as always, they uh, they circle back, as as the great Jensaki might say. They they will regroup. They will be back. We have to stay vigilant. But in the meantime, I think it's always important not to be totally blackpilled. You need to enjoy these moments when Jack Posobiec, you know, myself and all of us. Uh, flipped out because she was so catastrophically dangerous. And uh, I think that this is a step in the right direction. So minor clap, golf clap, if you will, but stay vigilant there. I actually wanted to give you the introduction on the bona fides for Jen Psaki's replacement, Karine Jean-Pierre. She's a very impressive lady, obviously. So she's got to have just tremendous credentials. Here we go. Let's see what she has to say about herself. I am obviously acutely aware uh, that my presence at this podium uh, represents a few firsts. Uh, I am a black gay immigrant woman 
the first of all three of those to hold this position. I would not be here today if it were not for generations of barriers, pe barrier breaking people before me. <laughs> so she's a black gay immigrant woman. Uh, day one, introducing herself to the world. Those are her bona fides. It's, it's just embarrassing, but uh, at least we're up against complete, complete morons. So that's good. I stand on their shoulders. If, if it were not for generations of barrier-breaking barrier people before me, I would not be here. But um, I benefit from their sacrifices. I have learned from their ex ex excellence, and I am forever grateful to them. Representation does matter. You hear us, you hear us say this uh, often in this administration, and no one understands this better than President Biden. <laughs> President Biden understands representation mattering. First off, representation doesn't matter. Your qualifications should. And if you are the best at this professional lying position, then God bless. Unfortunately, you're not. You're not even close to the best. You're <laughs> arguably one of the worst I've ever seen. Uh, but, you know, you got the job. So I guess congrats. I don't know. Uh, I look forward to your imminent resignation when the world flips out because you can't even lie well. I mean, you have a script in front of you and you're still obviously not able to get get one over on the American people. Um, so I hope you stay in this position forever because I have never seen someone that is so bad at lying. Just terrible. Uh, and Jen Psaki wasn't the best, but my God, was she better than you? Let's get some more from Miss Jean-Pierre. Uh, the president's Twitter account posted the other day, you want to bring down inflation, let's make sure the wealthiest corporations pay their fair share. Mm -hmm. How does raising taxes on corporations reduce inflation? Good question, Peter Ducey. How does raising taxes on corporations reduce inflation? Let's find out. Um, so... Are you talking about a specific tweet? He tweeted, you want to bring down inflation, let's make sure the wealthiest corporations pay their fair share. Look, you know, we have talked about, um, we have talked about this this past year, uh, about um, making sure that the wealthiest among us are paying their fair share. Um, and that is important to do. And uh, that is something that, uh, you know, the president has been, you know, working on uh, every day when we talk about inflation and lowering costs. And so it's very important uh, that, uh, you know, as we're seeing costs rise, uh, as we're talking about how to, you know, uh, you know, build an America that's safe, that's equal for everyone and doesn't leave everyone behind, that is an important part uh, of that as well. But how does raising taxes on corporations lower the cost of gas, the cost of a used car, the cost of food for everyday Americans. So look, I think we encourage those who have done very well, right, especially those who care about climate change uh, to support a fair ta tax code that doesn't change, that doesn't charge manufacturers, workers, cops, builders, a higher percentage of their earnings, that the most fortunate people in our nation and not let this, this, that stand in the way of reducing energy costs and fighting this ex existential problem, if you think about that as an example, and to support basic collective bargaining rights as well, right? That's also important. But 
Look, it is, you know, by not, if, without having a fair tax code, which is what I'm talking about, then all, every, like manufacturing workers, cops, you know, it's not fair for them to have to pay higher taxes than the folks that, who are, who are, who are not paying taxes at well, all. Hopefully you got to hear how unbelievably bad it, her job she is. Uh, I think at the very end there, she kind of answers just a smidgen of the truth that if you increase taxes, uh, tax receipts, whether or not these corporations are going to actually end up paying more taxes, which I'm highly dubious of that claim. Uh, but if you were to actually increase tax receipts, there's a chance that you wouldn't have to run such a deficit and also print and borrow so much money. And if you stop printing so much money, yes, that would help reduce inflation in the long term. So I guess she kind of got to the truth there accidentally, but they can't ever say it because then they have to acknowledge that all of the printing and borrowing is actually creating inflation. And they have already lied so egregiously saying that it's the Putin price hike and this is all about the war in Ukraine and Russia's evil invasion and it has nothing to do with us. We didn't do this. This is even though it started, uh, you know, about a year before Putin ever invaded Ukraine. Still, they can't they can't acknowledge uh, the real culprit, which as always is the Federal Reserve. So after the Buffalo mass murder spree that happened, uh, there has been this percolating story about how Tucker Carlson is is pushing or propagating this great repra replacement theory, uh, which is the idea that immigrants are being brought in to intentionally undercut the American conservative movement. And uh, let's hear what Ms. Jean-Pierre has to say about it. In that vein, there's polling that shows one in three Americans believe in some element of replacement theory. You just spoke in very broad brushstrokes there. Are there specifics that this White House is willing to do, willing to take in order to stop this form of thinking from further seeping out of the fringe and into the mainstream? So, you know, we're going to continue to call this out. Um, as we have uh, talked about many times, uh, the president at, at, at every chance he's had when we've seen a, a violent uh, attack like this that is, uh, uh, that is, as we you know, say, with hatred um, and racially motivated, he calls it out and, and calls it what it is. As always, a non-answer. You know, the, the best they have is to call it out. Uh, so yeah, what is this this great replacement theory? It's got to be complete bullshit, right? Like, if one in three Americans believes in some aspect of it, I'm sure they're all just delusional Russian propagandized lemmings, correct? Well, maybe not. Question is, what is the best way to push back on this hatred? What's the best way to push back on this conspiracy theory that that's based on a Jewish? international banker uh i mean it's just it is so anti-semitic uh and this is morning joe by the way uh, i'm gonna get to proving how full of shit these people are but let's hear a little bit more on which is obviously a you know a, a note that has been given to the media on going after tucker carlson and of course they've they've slotted george soros in there trying to make the country like browner and blacker. What's the best way for people to push back on that lie? You, you take this heinous platform and you make the Republicans own it. I want to say it again, make the Republicans own it. Every Republican politician, every Republican candidate, ask them about it. Make it because they, can, they, they can't run from it because it's, it's part of who they are at this point, as disgusting as that is. But make it the Republican 
replacement theory. Mainstream it because it, this is the way you have to scare. We, we don't have the economy on our side as Democrats. So you have to. Well, let's stop there. <laughs> the Democrats don't have the economy on their side. My God, they have basically every Fortune 500 company is owned by BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street, and they have all propagated ESG, which is the Democrat talking point. So that's a lie scare the bejesus out of people. The way to scare it is say, you know, this replacement theory, this is not just coming from some dark corner of the web. This is the Republican platform. Make them own it. And Democrats run from this fistfight. I know in the previous segment, Eugene Daniels, you talked about the president not wanting to call out names. Call out Tucker Carlson. Call out the politicians and make this, make them own it. This is a Republican platform. It's the racist Republican replacement theory. Yeah, it's all it's all a Republican theory. It's a conspiracy theory, mind you, too. We'll cover that in a second. But first, I wanted to just point out how brilliant it is that he's willing to say, we need to scare the bejesus out of people, because that is their tactic. To get everything they want, they scare you. That's how they got you to stay in your fucking home for over a year. That's how they got you to mass your kids into you know, borderline psychosis and suicide and drug addiction. They scare you. He's telling you the truth. The mask is off. The gloves are off. They are telling you what they do all the time. Well, you know, the thing is, I'm, I'm not so uh, concerned uh, at the end of the day about commentators uh, as I am about. I think he says the voters, uh, the clip got cut off there, but oh, goodness gracious, these people are so full of shit. So that's Morning Joe's take on it. Let's see exactly how much of a lie it is. Shout out to Tom Elliott for the supercut for the ages, demonstrating that the great replacement theory has been implemented by the Democrat Party. Whether you think all immigrants are good or all immigrants are bad, I'm not one of those people. I'm actually in between where obviously just as some Americans are good and some Americans are terrible, same goes for immigrants. This is not rocket science, but let's see who actually propagated this theory. It's harder and harder to ignore that the echoes of replacement theory and other racially motivated views are increasingly coming out into the open. In a few years, we're going to be a majority brown country. White people will not be the majority in the country anymore. This will be the first generation ever in American history uh, in which whites will be a minority of the generation at some point. As of 2007, every year babies being born in this country, whites now are the minority. In 2044? Uh, everyone is going to be a minority. As the demographics change, as white people become the minority in the country, which is coming. Demographics is destiny. Demographics is destiny. Demographics is destiny, right? Just so you know, that was Joe Scarborough, Morning Joe, the guy who just said that it's a conspiracy theory from the Republicans and Tucker Carlson and completely detached from reality. That's him saying it. Demographics are destiny. The country is changing. I've been saying it here. Other people have been saying it here for years now, even before Donald Trump. The demographics is destiny. The white population is declining for the first time in history in America, while the number of multiracial Americans have more than doubled. So we live in a country where the demographics are changing. It's becoming less white. Uh, correct. Okay. You'll be announcing that we're calling the 38 electoral votes of Texas for the Democratic nominee for president. It's changing. It's going to become a purple state and then a blue state because of the demographics, because of the population growth. The growth in Texas has been almost entirely driven by non-white population growth, mostly by Hispanic and Latino population growth. The idea that, um, you know, whites will, will not be the majority, I mean, that's 
it's an exciting transformation of the country. It's an exciting evolution uh, and, you know, progress of our country. <laughs> I mean, there, there they are. It's, they're not just acknowledging that it's reality, but they're saying it's a good thing. You know, whether or not you think it's a good thing is fine. I don't care either way. But just the fact that, like, they're going to lie. Anderson Cooper sitting there basically orgasming over the fact that there's going to be less white people in America. And yet we're not allowed to talk about it. Like, can we at least acknowledge that, yes, this is their intention and yes, they think it's a good thing? Whether you do or not, we should at least be able to have that conversation. But no, it's just a conspiracy theory. In many different ways. The white population is declining. It, it was always on the upswing. So that speaks to the beautiful diversity of America. It speaks. I mean, it's Nancy Pelosi sitting next to the lunatic Maxine Waters, and they're just. It speaks to the beautiful diversity of America that we are having less white people in this country. Do white people factor in to the diversity in America? Are they beautiful? Is it okay to ask that question? I mean, my God, I understand how the, the far right starts to get radicalized by this type of conversation, or this type of language. It's like, it's clear. It's clear you don't like white people. And you're sitting there as a white woman celebrating the diminishment of white people in America or the decrease of the population growth of white people. It's just like you can't celebrate these things and then have us not go, hey, what's going on here? Right? Speaks to um, uh, how the, that population, will, the demographics, weigh in politically. I believe anybody who echoes a replacement is to blame, not for this particular crime, but it's, it's for no purpose, no purpose, except profit and or political benefit. And it's wrong. It's just simply wrong. So there you go. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a conspiracy theory. It's not happening. It is happening. And it's a good thing. That's That's what you learned here. Uh, as I've said, you know, before, I don't think that there's necessarily anything bad about having, uh, you know, a changing face of America. I think that the the ideas, the culture, the principles of America are what I value, not so much the skin color. Uh, I think that immigrants make America a better place in large part. There is also obvious, uh, you know, cultural degradation that's happening, and it it's coinciding with the fact that, yeah. The face of America is not going to be predominantly white in the near term. And whether or not the, that's correlation causation, I don't know. I'd have to do far more research to figure out if that's the case. I think there are many immigrant populations that uh, believe strongly in the American way, which is hard work and capitalism and, uh, and liberty and the ability to defend yourself. You know, people that flee communist countries, uh, whether it be some Chinese people, some you know Korean people, some Cuban people. Like I think that those are some of the best immigrants and none of them are white. So this is not a racist talking point. This is a, you know, principles talking point. Like you, you have to see, are these people American when they come in? Like that's, that is to me what matters. Not are they white? I don't really care. You know, you can have a white looking Ukrainian that comes over here and is a total Nazi and also believes in socialism and they're white. They're not changing the face of America. 
but I don't look at that as a positive, that they're just white. That doesn't do anything for me. I want people that actually believe in the principles of liberty. And I think that that's a conversation that ought to be had. And the reason they get us all sidetracked with this stuff about, uh, you know, how people, the, the skin color of people, is because they don't want us talking about that. And the truth is, the Democrats in particular very much want a mass immigration flood of people that don't value capitalism and liberty and the American way. They don't. And they are very open about it. They just said it. And yet I still have to like be on pins and needles as I talk about this because there's this, I am, I'm a white guy. So it's like, oh, he just hates them because they're not white. Couldn't be further from the truth. I think some of the best people in this country are immigrants. And I think some of the best immigrants in this country are from you know Latin America. I think that they're great. So it's not about that, man. That at the same time, though, I don't want immigrants that are coming in here and voting away my freedom. <laughs> you know, is it okay to say that? I hope so. We'll find out if I get canceled for this one. I don't really give a fuck. I'm just going to keep telling the truth. So the primary reason that the great replacement theory is in the news is because of the Buffalo shooter, which killed, I don't know, 10 people or something crazy. And I saw the video. It's horrific. Um, obviously, we could get into a conversation about why he did it and the mental health aspects, which are always the reason that you go out and you kill that many people is because you're not all there. Uh, but that's I, we've had that debate a thousand times. I'd really rather not go there. Uh, but we have one more clip from uh, Peter Ducey asking Kareen Jean-Pierre why Biden is going to visit Buffalo when he didn't go to Minneapolis or Waukesha after the uh, SUV rampage, which obviously it was an SUV. It wasn't a human being and he wasn't radicalized by, you know, black supremacy, which he was. So let's see what she has to say here. And then just one on the trip tomorrow. How come the president is visiting Buffalo after a senseless tragedy there, but he couldn't visit Waukesha after six were killed and 61 injured in an attack on a Christmas parade there? I mean, he's visited many communities. Buffalo, he was, you know, he was, he's able to go tomorrow to Buffalo uh, uh, before the trip. That is something. It'd be nice if they could just be honest that, well, one of those mass murders uh, suits our narrative and the other doesn't. I mean, that's the, that's the honest answer. That was important for him to do, but he has visited many, uh, many other communities. This is not, Buffalo is not the first community, sadly, that he has to go up to uh, because of a violent attack. So, you know, that's not, that's not the first one. So he's been to many others. So, yeah, he, you know, he's been to others. So why didn't he go to Waukesha and why is he going to Buffalo? Well, because he's, he's been to others. He's been to others. But this one, this one just seemed, uh, well, it was an AR and it was a white guy and he was radicalized. And he talked about great replacement theory. And uh, he also uh, suits every aspect of our checkbox of needs right now. So that's why we're going up there to talk about it. A duh. A fucking duh. That's why. That's why they're talking about him. And that's why Joe Biden's going there is because it suits their narrative. They want to talk more about the dangerous right-wing radicals, and they want to talk more about banning AR-15s, and they want to talk about more uh, censorship on the internet to prevent the radicalization of young white men. I mean, that's what this is for. That's why they push this one, and that's why they ignore the other. And they've been doing it as long as I've been paying attention. And 
finally, some people are starting to notice it. But the truth is, we need people that aren't just up there like Ducey, you know, pointing out the hypocrisy. You need to point out why. We know why. Do we have to like play the game of, so why did he go to Buffalo and not Waukesha? Why don't we just say, he didn't go to, like, put the, put it in the question. It appears to many that it looks as if you aren't going to Waukesha because you don't want to talk about the fact that there is radical hatred that's being propagated by your narrative. Right? That's what it, that's what it looks like to most people, is that when you constantly talk about the evilness of white people, and then you have a black guy who goes out and he runs over a bunch of kids talking about how evil white people are, that might be connected. And maybe that's not a good thing. Maybe we should stop dividing each other based off of race. Have you considered that? No? Okay. Well, you woke progressives. But if you want to talk about why that kid went up to Buffalo, New York and did what he did, let's at least be honest about what he's saying. I don't know if this, you know, manifesto is legit. Who knows if he even wrote it? Who knows the truth of any of this? But Tom Elliott put together a really good thread as to what he said were his reasons. So instead of, you know, using little snippets here and there to paint your narrative, let's see what else, what else he had to say. Buffalo Killer says he specifically chose New York because their gun control laws meant legally armed civilians would be limited to 10-round magazines. In other words, he wanted a disarmed group of victims. Could we talk about that? The fact that perhaps your desire to disarm us is actually making us less safe? It's obviously true, but we can't talk about that. Buffalo Killer also says that he's a fascist, a racist, and a proud anti-Semite. So, your racist narrative gets checked off, but he talks about how he's also a fascist, which I consider you guys to be. So maybe that doesn't fit your narrative. He also says that he wants no part of political conservatism and is open to being called socialist. Well then, <laughs> oops. So whether or not he was inspired by Tucker Carlson when it came to one particular talking point, talking point when it comes to the Great Replacement Theory, in fact, he finds conservatism to be lacking or wanting, you know? It's like, so yeah, it's just constantly trying to shove people into boxes to fit your narrative. Uh, Buffalo Killer says his views evolve from communist ideology and says he now, quote, falls in the mild, moderate, authoritarian left category, and I would prefer to be called a populist, end quote. Well, see, that offends me because he's referring to himself as a populist, and I think I'm a populist. So... But he also considers himself a mild, moderate, authoritarian left, which I find fascinating because he just killed 10 people. Uh, so, yeah, he is certainly authoritarian left. I don't know about a mild, moderate. <laughs> and like the New Zealand killer, the Buffalo killer aligns himself with eco-fascism. So he's a green warrior, which when you guys talk about the fact the world's going to end in 10 years because of global warming... Perhaps you've added, added to his radicalization. Should you be taken off the air like Tucker Carlson should be? Well, of course not. You're telling the truth, and he's just a liar. He says, quote, who knows? Maybe it's the two shots of COVID V juice going through my bloodstream that's really making me do this, end quote. Well, that's concerning <laughs> that he would even joke about that. I don't know if it's a joke or if he was being serious. 
He says, quote, before I begin, I will say that I was not born racist nor grew up to be racist. I simply became racist after I learned the truth. I started browsing 4chan in May 2020 after extreme boredom. Remember, this was during the outbreak of COVID, end quote. So I could use that talking point to say, well, if it weren't for the lockdowns, this kid would have never been in his house reading all this crazy shit to make him go nuts. I could use it for my narrative. You could use it for your narrative that he uh, he was not born racist, but 4chan did it to him because he were, he found all these Pepe memes and then he decided that black people were the problem with the world. And now he has to go kill them all. That's your narrative. I think they're all wrong because he's just a deranged kid. Buffalo killer, he says he is a lone wolf. He also hates libertarians, falsely claims it's, quote, largely pioneered by Jews, end quote. Well, I don't know if he's actually wrong there. I think that, you know, many of the people that inspired libertarian ideology are Jewish. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. In fact, I don't care at all because I like their ideas. Like, you know, an old school progressive. <laughs> uh, the Buffalo Killer again emphasizes New York's gun laws in explaining how he chose his location. Also note his choice of gun was meant to elicit a media freakout. So he specifically chose that gun because he wanted them to go after this story. So they are now actually selecting the weaponry for mass murderers because these kids are onto the game. They know that like, if I use an AR, I'm gonna be in the news. This is not good. Buffalo Killer addresses a section of his uh, a section of his manifesto to attacking conservatives ending with conservatism is dead, thank God, end quote. Does he sound like a huge you know, MAGA kid? Does he sound like a huge Tucker supporter? No, not so much. Echoing again his idol, the New Zealand mass murderer, the Buffalo Killer writes of support for green nationalism. Sounds like a Nazi. The Buffalo Killer on anti-white capitalists, uh, he says no profits for anti-whites. For too long, those who have profited from the importation of cheap labor have gone unpunished, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to read all this because it's just, it's too much. And ultimately, like, I do, I do care about you know, the reasoning for these types of terrible behaviors. But I also don't think that like you always learn much from listening to the deranged ramblings of people. This kid didn't sound so much deranged, but certainly radicalized and not radicalized by Tucker Carlson, certainly not Tucker Carlson alone. Uh, he also says he's anti-free markets, pro-fair fair trade, eco-activist and race obsessed. So he's anti-free market. Sounds like your standard Republican. Examples of the Buffalo Killer plagiarizing the New Zealand Killer. So he took uh, snippets. If you remember, the New Zealand Killer went into a, I think it was a mosque, and did the exact same thing. Had a uh, camera on his head, like a GoPro style, and just went in there and wiped out a ton of people. And it was horrific. So this is, this is a copycat of that. Uh, Tom's takeaway, this 180-page manifesto was profoundly depressing to read. By his own accounts, the killer was a loner with no meaningful social connections. While in forced social isolation during COVID, he began reading 4chan, increasingly became attached to racist and anti-Semitic explanations for the modern world's various problems, devoid of the kind of religious family or community bonds that normally guide young people still navigating their place in the world. People like him end up discovering some little kernel of information the mainstream media covers up. And when that turns out to be true, they become convinced this is a validation of a larger conspiracy that leads down the usual rabbit holes where everything ends up pointed to some sinister cabal secretly engineering the deconstruction of civilization. Yeah, 
He's absolutely right. I mean, when you lie to people and they figure out that they're being lied to, sometimes they seek uh, an answer that ends up also being a lie to some extent. And it seems as if that's what this kid did. It's very tragic. Uh, wanting to finally feel important, he vows action. Certainly true, governments and the media often frame narratives through their Mar Marxian lens that always sees a division between the good guy and bad guys, oppressor and oppressed. This kind of broad oversimplification over over reliably sows division and anger. In reprising Nazi-era racial dogmas, the killer is apparently unwittingly amplifying the various divisions he supposedly come to hate. Randomly targeting black people at a grocery store will inevitably spark renewed interest in radical se uh, racial separatist movements like the black Hebrew Israelites and, to a lesser extent, BLM. The killer explains how he wants his lone act of terror to somehow spark a larger conflict that will result in the various races of the world deciding to reorganize themselves into ethno-states. So there you have it. He's an ethno-nationalist. Wants separation based off of race. I would prefer to see separation based off of ideologies, simply because I don't think we can coexist. Uh, but I don't much care what your skin looks like as much as I do how your brain functions. And there are far too many people whose brains are not functioning. So there you have it. That's that's the recap of this poor lost soul. So I want to thank our other sponsor for tonight's show, and that is careerhackers.com. If you're looking at the stock market today down a thousand points and thinking, oh my God, I'm probably going to get laid off. Well, this is how you fix that problem, or at least get the ball rolling in the direction of fixing it, go to careerhackers.com and sign up for the Daily Job Hunt newsletter. It is a free email, hits your inbox every morning, gives you some information on how to become a better job applicant, inspires you, fires you up, can help you on the entrepreneurial path or getting that job of your dreams. Either way, it's a great free resource to help you in that process. Go to careerhackers.com and sign up for the Daily Job Hunt newsletter. It's free, you won't regret it. Check it out, careerhackers.com. So part of what radicalized the kid that committed that atrocity in Buffalo was disinformation. But it was also the fact that the government is constantly trying to tell us what is true when many of it is also disinformation, or when much of it is. And I think that that's a point that is lost on many people, that when you try and dictate what is true, you actually create the radicalization you are allegedly trying to stop. It is a vicious cycle. It will not end. Speaking of vicious cycles that will not end, Taylor Lorenz, lunatic that she is, writes for the Washington Post how the Biden administration let right-wing attacks derail its disinformation efforts. <laughs> I love that she just says that too. It's disinformation efforts, which is actually true because they are trying to spread disinformation. This lunatic says, on the morning of April 27th, the Department of Homeland Security announced the creation of the first disinformation governance board with the stated goal to coordinate countering misinformation related to Homeland Security. The Biden administration tapped Nita Jankovic, Jankovic's wits, whatever, uh, a well-known figure in the field of fighting disinformation and extremism as the board's executive director. And naming the 33-year-old, I love that they throw our age in there like it matters, uh, Jankovic to run the newly created board, the administration chose someone with extensive experience in the field of disinformation. I, I, yes, exactly. She is. She has extensive experience in spreading disinformation, which has emerged as an urgent and important issue. The author of the books, How to Become a Woman Online, or How to Be a Woman Online and How to Lose the Information War. Well, it looks like you found out today, didn't you, Nina? You lost it. Her career also featured stints as multiple nonpartisan think tanks and nonprofits and included work that focused on strengthening democratic institutions. I love that. Uh, yeah, nonpartisan think tanks and nonprofits. Sure, that's that's all she was doing. Good Lord. Within the small community of disinformation researchers, her work was well regarded. Yeah. 
But within hours of, <clears throat> of news of her appointment, Jankovic was thrust into the spotlight by the very forces she dedicated her career to combating. The board itself and DHS received criticism for both uh, its somewhat ominous name and scant details of specific mission. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas said it could have done a better job of communicating what it is and what it isn't. Oh, yeah. That's the problem. Except, except you you just told us the truth a little bit too much as to what it was, and we didn't like it because it's the antithesis of freedom. How about that? But Jankovic was on the receiving end of the harshest attacks, with her role mischaracterized as she became a primary target on the right-wing Internet. <laughs> yeah, there's no one on the left that had any problem with uh, the government spying on us, of course. She has been subject to an unrelenting barrage of harassment and abuse while unchecked misrepre misrepresentation of her work continues to go viral. Now, just three weeks after its announcement, the Disinformation Governance Board is being paused, according to multiple employees at DHS, capping a back-and-forth week of decisions that changed during the course of reporting on the story. On Monday, DHS decided to shut down the board, according to multiple people with knowledge of the situation. By Tuesday morning, Jankovic had drafted a resignation letter in response to the board's uh, disillusion. By Tuesday night, she was pulled into an urgent call with DHS officials who gave her the choice to stay on, even as the department's work was put on hold because of the backlash it faced, according to multiple people with knowledge of the call. Working group within DHS focused on mis, dis, and malinformation have been suspended. The board could still be shut down pending a review from the Homeland Security Advisory Council. Advisory Council on Wednesday morning, Jacobich officially resigned from her role within the department. Nina has been subjected to unjustified and vile personal attacks and physical threats. A DHS spokesperson uh, told the Washington Post in a statement. In congressional hearings and in media interviews, the secretary has repeatedly defended her as eminently qualified and underscored the importance of the department's disinformation work, and he will continue to do so. Jankovic was not public, uh, not has not spoken publicly about her position since the day it was announced. Yeah, she just tweeted nonsense. Her experience is a prime example of how the right-wing internet apparatus operates, where far-right influencers attempt to identify a target. You're welcome. Present, present a narrative and then repeat mischaracterizations across social media and websites with the aim of discrediting and attacking anyone who seeks to challenge them. Correct. I want to destroy people that want to destroy me. Yes. It also shows what happens when institutions, when confronted with these attacks, don't respond effectively. Those familiar... With the board's inner workings, including DHS employees and Capitol Hill staffers, along with experts on disinformation, say Jankovic was set up to fail by an administration that was unsure of its messaging and unprepared to counteract a coordinated online campaign against her. It's beautiful because it's exactly what her job was going to be, was to start coordinated online campaigns against us. Gotta love it. Uh, the, now she goes into the history of the rollout and why that was all the reason they failed. It's all bullshit. Let's see what her conclusion is since she's so ridiculous. A textbook disinformation campaign. Experts say that right-wing disinformation and smear campaigns regularly follow the same playbook and that it's crucial that the public and leaders of institutions, especially in the government, the media, and educational bodies, understand more fully how these cycles operate. The campaigns invariably start with identifying a person to characterize as a villain. Well, good job there. You put up a lunatic, so it wasn't hard. Attacking faceless institutions is difficult, so a figurehead, almost always a woman or person of color, that's bullshit, is found to serve as its face. Whether that person has actual power within the institution is often immaterial by discrediting those... Well, she was going to be the head of it. How is it immaterial? I mean, good Lord. By discrediting those made to represent institutions, they seek to bring down, they discredit the institution itself. Yeah, well, you figured this out. I, I think that the, uh, the issue here, and I, I actually agree with some of this, that... 
We shouldn't have been focusing on Nina so much, but unfortunately, that's the only way that you can get the idiots on the right to actually get involved and stay engaged. Uh, the the real message or lesson here is that, that they should not have a disinformation board. They should not have a ministry of truth. I don't care about Nina. I never did. The fact that she was just a tremendously cartoonish foil added just made it easier. But ultimately, like it's also to the advantage of the establishment that they now they can just have her step down and they can, you know, regroup and potentially roll this thing out again. So I agree that, you know, focusing on her entirely is a mistake. The fact that they want to spy on us and tell us what's true and what's false is the real problem. That's what we ought to be outraged about. But until people actually pay attention to what matters, I'll focus on Nina. I don't care whatever I have to do. Harassment and reputational harm is core to the attack strategy. Institutions often treat reputational harm and online attacks as a personal matter. One that unlucky employees should simply endure quietly. Ooh, boo-hoo. You know, she's talking about herself. What a loser. Jankovic's case is a perfect example of the system at work. Uh, a residency, do, 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 do. They try to define people by these single decontextualized moments, Birkin said. In Nina's case, it's a few TikTok videos. They're one of two comments out of thousands of public appearances. They fix on these small instances and they define this villain. The worst thing any institution can do in the face of such attacks is remain quiet. Several disinformation researchers said, I'm, I'm done. I'm done reading you. You're stupid. I don't need to hear from you anymore. I read too much of Miss Taylor Lorenz already. Uh, so yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad the uh, disinformation board is, is at least paused. It seems as if it's perhaps closing up shop and they'll, if they re-implement it, it probably will not be to our knowledge which is the sad part of this is that like it's a vict it's a minor victory but it ultimately means that they'll probably bring it in through the back door with cia fbi and they won't tell us about it and it'll just be black ops where they propagandize us and they spy on us but they were already doing that so it'll just get worse probably not to be too blackpilled but at least we now know that uh, the american people were it, it was brought to their attention and they didn't like the idea of it so that's progress as far as i'm concerned speaking of disinformation Here's uh, an expert for the pro-choice crowd up on Capitol Hill today, spreading some. Arambide. Arambide. Okay. Um, what do you say a woman is? I believe that everyone can identify for themselves. Okay. Um, do, do you believe then that men can become pregnant and have abortions? Yes. <laughs> Arambide. Arambide. I mean, it's just incredible. So, uh, yeah, can men get pregnant? Of course they can, since you can identify as whatever you want. Why not? I mean, this is the type of stuff that radicalizes people. It really does. Like, if you talk total nonsense like this, you're going to start to to really push people, or at least, like, make people feel radicalized, even if they're not. That's part of, like, this Marxist trick where they're constantly shifting the Overton window of, uh, of allowable thought towards their worldview. And some people are reaching their limit, man. Like, can you blame them? If you're gonna say that men can have periods and men can have babies, it's like, it's crazy. And it's also not exactly uh, empowering towards biological women, you know? Like that's the one thing that they can do that men certainly can't. And it's a beautiful thing and it should be cherished and honored. And if we're going to now just go down this path of like, well, yeah, you know, men can do anything a woman can do because they can just classify themselves as women. Well, then 
kind of diminishes the the beauty and and uh, specialness, the uniqueness of being born a woman. And I don't think that's exactly progress. Just to show you how pervasive this push to deal with disinformation on the internet is, let's check out Richard Stangle, who is the former editor at Time Magazine, speaking at the Council on Foreign Relations about fake news. So I'll, I'll, you'll be the last question, but I just want to weigh in on that for one second. So there's another word for master narratives. It's called history. <laughs> Basically, every country creates their own narrative story. And, and you know, my old job at the State Department was what people used to joke as the chief propagandist job. We haven't talked about propaganda. I love that. He just acknowledges, like, yeah, he was the chief propagandist. Cool. Very cool. Propaganda. I'm not against propaganda. Every <laughs> Yo, there we go. So they want to stop disinformation, but they're also not against propaganda. What is propaganda but a lie? It's disinformation. So they are okay with it, but they don't want us able to do it, I guess. In other words, they don't want us to be able to counter their disinformation with information, whether it be true or false. I mean, the, the whole game is so transparent. Country does it and they have to do it to their own population. And I don't necessarily think it's that awful. And this idea of it. That, I mean, that's just an amazingly brazen admission that every country does it. They have to do it. And I don't necessarily think it's that bad. Wow. Of a, of a uh, cart news cartel. I mean, I, I, I was editor of Time in 2000. Uh, 12 uh, during that election. And I remember, you know, you're competing against cartels and everybody. I remember being on a panel with the then editor of the New York Times who said, it's really hard to break through these days. This is the editor of the New York Times saying it's hard to break through. I almost, I wanted to jump off the platform. Like, what's it like for the rest of everybody? So, I mean, there, there's no, I mean, there are cartels, but cartels don't have hegemony like they used to. Look at that. Look at that truth. They are struggling to propagandize us as efficiently as they once did. And they are lamenting that fact publicly. Amazing. That's an amazing admission. And it is powerful. That means that we are actually making a difference. They can no longer control the narrative. Wow. The gentleman right there. Last question. I don't think you are hmm. in terms of understanding what's happening in the world. Because what is happening in America is what I'm, the United States flipped on the global south and in the third world, which we live with for many, many years in terms of a master narrative that was, was and still is propaganda. So essentially this guy's question is, hey, why is propaganda a good thing? Because the American propaganda has controlled the political sphere of Latin America for years and years. And it's we've suffered because of it. Great question. Let's see how this guy handles the answer. You know what? I hate last questions. <laughs> Don't you? I never, I usually just want to end something before the last question. Um, but at any rate, I want to thank this fantastic panel here today. Look at that. He just doesn't answer. He literally stands up says, I want to thank the panel, does not answer a very legitimate question. Why is propaganda good? We have suffered because of it. Why is it good? Ah, I hate, I hate last questions. They just want to end things. Fuck these people. I mean, amazing.
just to um, show you that I'm not lying. And, and I, I do want to say, I actually think, I mean, the talk about optimism. I mean, the optimism is all, is all of you there figuring out how to teach your students about this and using some of the techniques and some of the sources uh, that we've talked about. He never answers the question. And he just talks about how I hope that the teachers out there go and use our techniques to propagandize your students. I mean, just evil, man. Just absolutely evil. And transparently so. Really remarkable stuff there. And speaking of the tyrannical left, we have Kathy Hockle, the Democrat governor of New York, who uh, goes to Buffalo to stand on the, the barely cold bodies. And uh, let's see what she has to say. This purported manifesto. Well, this manifesto tells everything to us, and that is what's so bone-chilling about it, is that there is the ability for people to write and subscribe to such uh, philosophies filled with hate, the white supremacist acts of terrorism that are being fomented on social media, and to know that what this one individual did has been shared with the rest of the world, as well as the live streaming of this military-style execution that occurred in the, homes, in the streets of my hometown. And that is what is so fundamentally disturbing about this, that this is not just a long time ago, members of the KKK would sit in a hall and plot what they're gonna do in their community. This spreads like a virus. And that's why I'm calling on the CEOs of all the social media platforms to examine their policies and to be able to look me in the eye and tell me that everything is being done that they can to make sure that this information is not spread. They have to be able to identify when information like this, the second it hits the platform, it needs to be taken down because this is spreading like wildfire. These theories mm -hmm. that results in the radicalization of a young person sitting in their house is deeply scary and yeah. it's something that has to be dealt with. Well, you- There you go again, the left, just showing exactly what the game is. They cannot take our rights to speak, so they will rely on businesses to do it. Fascism. Couldn't be more obvious what they are doing, and yet we're the conspiracy theorists for calling it out. Have called it a, quote, feeding frenzy on social media for white supremacy. We also know uh, that this is based on something that's truly disgusting. It's called replacement theory. The idea is that non-white people living in America are trying to replace white people. And it's being pushed by some prominent right-wing voices, and it's been done so for years. What can be done to stop that? They need to be called out. And leaders, elected officials from both parties need to be stand up at this moment and call it out and to shame it and to make sure that these people crawl back into their holes and stay there. Well, there you have it. There you have it. They're telling you the truth. They're showing you what the game is. And uh, I don't know. I don't know how it could be any more obvious. And for the record, I don't think anybody in the great replacement theory, the people that you know buy that story, uh, believe that it's the people from other countries that are coming here wanting to replace white people. I think that they, they believe that it's the politicians in America that want that to happen. I mean, right? Isn't that kind of obvious? Oh, God. Good Lord. So yeah, Kathy Hockle is a tyrant. New York 
you have to do better. I don't know how you guys continue to elect these people, but my God, they're they're just horrifically, horrifically un-American politicians.